This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. Hour number two of the Labor Show live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We roll on out of an energized, pardon the pun, uh, an energized show. Uh, hour number one, Jay Doc, right into the John Doherty hour. An hour early tonight as we lead you right into Penn State football on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Penn State and Auburn coming up following the John Doherty hour. Yeah, uh, Joe, um, you know, certainly a, a great first hour and, and uh, a labor expansion and, 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 and uh, you know, being at the forefront is a, is a big deal. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, because Local 98 is uh, also always growing and, and, and uh, John is a trailblazer and Local 98 is, is expanding constantly. And today, um, there's a celebration. It's what's it? It's Appreciation Day event, and it's uh, hundreds of the members up at the Collegeville campus, um, you know, celebrating the growth of Local 98 and, and, and the jurisdiction. First of all, John, obviously, welcome to the, uh, to your show, and and uh, talk about that a little bit because it's a, it's a sign of the times here in the United States where you know labor's at the forefront and we're growing like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, we had a great merger. You know, and uh, however you want to term or whatever term you want to use it, amalgamation. Uh, in today's world, especially in unions, they're not exactly things that are voluntary in nature. But this was an amicable merger between our friends, which were from, uh, you know, where we stopped representing people in the electrical industry uh, somewhere in, uh, I guess, the lower, right below Conshohocken and went way into, you know, the, the south end of Allentown. So this basically was a merger between Local 380 and Local 98, which has not only been super successful, but it might be the only merger in the IBW's history that got not one complaint, okay, from the local, which was losing its title. So uh, Local 98 North, Local 98 North, and uh, as it's now referred to, and Local 98 South uh, have joined forces and for the last five years have put together a new entity that is unbelievably uh, you know, powerful in the electrical, electrical industry. Okay, uh, so, uh, what's cool about that, John, is, and, and, and for people that don't know unions real well, and, and, and uh, there's always a competitive nature you, even in, it, it, within the same, you know, so, you know, you got Ironworkers Local 399 and 401 in Philly and 399 in Jersey. And there's always like, the, you know, like who's the best and all that. And the fact that you guys have been able to merge the, the you know, the, 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 the unions and, and to have so much camaraderie and so much kind of support for it, like you said, that, that's got to be a tribute to, to the leadership really in, on, on, on both sides. Talk about that. Well, what happened was there was a, it was a uh, necessity. 
our good friends up there had a pension that was severely underfunded. They had really no market share, and they were starting to lose all the partnerships that they had with some of the bigger institutions, like the King of Prussia Mall, as well as some of the pharmaceuticals. Uh, Merck and a few other are, have, have big footprints in Montgomery County. Well, not only have we, you know, reconfirmed that relationship, it's better than ever before. You know, working with the pharmaceutical industry, I know we, one, we, we jumped out and took the lead on COVID. We kept the buildings working. As you would imagine, they were more than essential employees at that time because most of them people were working on the vaccinations for COVID. So the, the growth was great. Uh, we came up with a code of excellence, which is a code of conduct, which, you know, Merck and some of our other friends love. And we're actually tailoring it, you know, directly to specific clients. And, uh, you know, our relationship up here is good. The, the uh, you know, everybody thinks about politics. Politics is second nature to us. You know, we've become part of the community. We've become part of the community up there. They have a great visitor bureau. In fact, we've had we've had them on the show in our partnership, you know, we market well, we slowly, you know, it took us a few years to become quote unquote a brand in the Philadelphia region, but it didn't take us as long to become a brand up there. Everybody knows that, you know, that it's a growing entity. And, and I can tell you this much for anybody who understands market share. Okay. In five years, we've quadrupled the market share in that jurisdiction. Now, if this was a penny stock, it'd be worth a lot of money right now. Okay. And we have, you heard Zach, who does some advertising here. Uh, he's following up a, a gentleman by the name of Bobby Creswell, who gave us his all for four years and then decided to spend more time with his family. Zach has put an unbelievable program together, which basically says, hey, you know, you want to be a member up here? We're growing. If you have skill sets, we got a job for you. And we've been doing really good. And uh, the benefits are good, and I'm proud to say, you know, Local 98 has a great president, Brian Burroughs. Brian Burroughs is someone that has been so fiscally responsible on behalf of Local 98, okay, but he's been fabulous with this amalgamation. That pension fund is doing well today. The kids who were under 35 really had no hope of collecting any money until they were around, or at least getting their money back until they were around 75 years old. You know, now they have a legitimate shot at retiring gracefully with dignity, with a decent return. Uh, the work opportunities are great. And Zach and myself had a meeting on Friday, as we do on most Fridays, to wrap up the week. And uh, yesterday he said to me that one guy came in and said to him he got laid off. And he turned around and he said to Zach, he said, you sure I can't take a week off? He said, I've been working steady for two years now with a lot of open. <laughs> so in our industry, okay, that's a sign of a successful merger. When a guy needs a week off because he's been working too much, the growth is big, the diversity is being added, uh, the opportunities for a lot of the contractors who were working for contractors, not signatory, has been great. You know, where I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's someplace between 13 or 14 in the last three weeks, women for contractors, for no better word, non-union contractors, have signed on, okay, with Zach and his team. He's got, he's got uh, a group of people. He's got a uh, young guy. Uh, they all got some crazy names, so I'll just go by their first names. Everybody knows who they are. Zach and uh, TJ, okay, is, uh, 
He's a city councilman. He's 30 years old. He's a rising star up there. He's a city councilman in Norristown. He'll probably be the council president when they reorganize. Okay, he's been working with us for a while with Bob Creswell. You got uh, uh, Tyrone and Pete, and, and, and again, the, the, the names are from Tyrone uh, is someone who has been working on a diversity issue. He's an African-American. He's got an unbelievable work ethic. Pete has a, uh, just had a, a new baby, and thank God his wife and baby are doing well. I mean, these, these kids are working their butt off to make this merger work. And they, in a short period of time, quadrupled the work. And for no better word, guys need a week off to working too much, which is a good thing in our industry. John, how, the, the international had to be uh, focused on, uh, you know, that, the, that, that, how, how do they feel about it? They've they got to be ecstatic. Well, they are ecstatic. And it was done, it was done under, okay, uh, President Ed Hill. And I just had conversation with President Lonnie Stevenson just in the last few days. And I always let them know how good it's working. You know, because it's not always the case, as you know, Joe. You know, I mean, people get upset when you take their placard off their building. Right. You know, for, you know people have been paying dues and working and attending union meetings and have clothing at home that say, you know, uh, local, local union created. And all of a sudden, yeah. one day, it's local 98. Right. You know, but it's workable. And I, look, I, you know, I work my butt off to make it work. You know, and luckily, I had been through three or four of them. You know, the IBW had entrusted in me and local 98. You know, when the Navy Yard shut down, you know, we took in all the naval workers. There were people that were working in, in the Navy Yard for 50 years that wound up being members. Well, you know, I mean, this was a whole different atmosphere once they got inside. We also took the telecommunication industry, okay, and uh, they had most of the people represent, represented the TV stations. We took that union and we put that inside Local 98. You know, we, we kept some of their, their senior staff on for a while. Uh, and then there was the gigantic merger over the telecommunication industry. When the, the Bell's world separated, the IBW had a union name, number 1448 that had 67 contracts that we turned into two. And that, I thought that would be, you know, when the gravestone, you know, that would be the most successful thing we did, saying, hey, when we merge that and we create it, instead of having two, three, or 67 tiers of contracts, you know, in the, in the southeastern Pennsylvania, now having, you know, one entity that goes through Delaware, and uh, South Jersey and everywhere else, you know, local 98 talented telecommunication industry. And, uh, but I think that the merger, you know, with the uh, 98 North is going to be the, the best thing for the future uh, that you've ever saw for, uh, you know, out of, you know, my tenure. <clears throat> the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Hey, Doc, before we go to a good break, I got I to gotta ask you a question. If you don't want to answer it, I get it. And I'm reading a story the other day. It's completely unrelated to labor, okay? I'm reading the story about um, Larry Nasser, who was the physician who would later be convicted of molesting and sexually abusing right. hundreds of hundreds To, of, to say hundreds he was a scumbag is the understatement of the yeah, It's unbelievable. So, J-Doc, what do you hear the story? So I'm reading the story. Um, and then I see in the story that the FBI came out and basically blundered the whole process to the point that they didn't even start investigating this guy until approximately 70 women and girls were sexually abused from the first time of the complaint, right? Mm. Then I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. 
The FBI's up. John Doherty's asked for paper clips for the last 20 years, and they can't invest. They and they don't investigate this guy, and that's what happens. Now I know it doesn't have anything to do with with the union show, other than the fact, John, that if you want to comment on it, comment. If not, I'll go to the break. Well, Joe, I appreciate that. You and Jay Doc, you know, understand, you know, what I've done. And I don't usually talk about it. And, you know, it's been right. It's been close to 30 years now. And a better part of it, I've had, you know, for no better word, I've had, you know, my butt investigated every three, four years if I needed it or not. And what happened here is terrible. And thank God, okay, that the as you refer to paper clips or whatever, you know, some guys call it, you know, the baby food investigation, things like that. And I don't take that lightly and I don't joke about it and I don't talk about it. And there are a lot of good people inside the government. Okay. But obviously there's been a lot of rogue people in the leadership that put a lot of these good people in bad positions because here you have, as you said, Joey, a scumbag, Someone who not only was involved with child pornography for a long period of time, but I don't think you get any worse than that. Nope. Okay. But he destroyed evidence. Okay. Then he mentally and physically raped some of the precious heroes that we had in the most recent Olympics. He mentally and physically abused these kids. And I say kids because most of them were minors during the event. Yes, and it seems that the government took that and put it in the drawer and gave it little attention. And the ironic part is they said they were kind of busy, but if if I'm not mistaken, okay, they sent some people from the Midwest to add to the team that was chasing me for no better term. And again, I I don't usually waste any time on it, but there's been, for a better part of 25 years, Okay, everybody knows what I do. Okay, everybody knows what I do. And yeah. I appreciate the support, and I don't really want to spend any more time on it. But, you know, I got my, okay, uh, for no better word, uh, last 20 years of uh, auditing from the government and eventually, you know, the things that did occur because I was standing up to powerful people, okay? And then here, a guy who had a big title got pretty much, remember, my stuff and his investigation were basically running parallel in the time in the timeline from 15, 16, 17, or during that period. So here's a guy probably spent, they probably spent, I don't know, half a million dollars on who raped kids and destroyed evidence, and they probably spent $25 million on me, who were running blood banks, you know, after 9-11 and was part of the Riley Club for about a part of 25 years and ran the Neighborhood Civic Association, okay, had a union that's made money every stinking year, okay, and gave jobs to people. And today, tragically, we had a kid hurt on a job, okay, and four of us spent a better part of our day trying to make sure that he got the best medical care he could get based on this accident. And the frustrating part is, is that we spent a lot of time and money, you know, fighting this back when really most of the things, even if you don't like me, the things that you know, are alleged are not criminal, they're Department of Labor things, but 
that's enough of that. You'll probably never hear me talk about that again. There's a lot of good people inside that organization, but obviously there's a lot of bad guys who make these type of calls. There's obviously John, somebody that thought, obviously somebody thought that you know my stuff after 25 years that's been audited every year became something wrong, and that obviously the guy who raped some of our American heroes, you know, didn't need that much attention. John Doherty, Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on deck. IATSE National VP Mike Barnes. He joins us live back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW 1776, and Sheet Metal Workers Local 19. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. That's all right. And back here live on hour number two of the Labor Show, this is the John Doherty Hour as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, leading you right into Penn State football live here tonight. So uh, we're, we're ecstatic to bring uh, back on the program IATSE National Vice President Michael Barnes, who I think uh, sooner than later we're gonna it's going to be the John Doherty and Mike Barnes Hour pretty soon because Mike is a regular on the program and we love him, love having him on. How are you, Michael? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm starting to like I enjoy the time with you guys. I really do enjoy spending my Saturdays with you. And, and we and we love having you, of course. Uh, lots to talk about. Um, we're going to jump right into it. Um, uh, and I know John's going to jump in as well. But to, for, start off by talking about uh, President Biden's build back, build back better agenda because it's such a shot in the arm for uh, for our American unions. Uh, talk about that, Mike. So. So, Joe, the, the Build Back program the president has, uh, you know, still in, in, in legislative session. So we're not sure what's going to come out. Everybody's kind of getting their two cents in to bake the cake. But regardless of it, uh, coming out of COVID, in particular, the entertainment industry is, is coming out hot. Uh, our numbers are starting to look really good right now. We appreciate everybody's support, in particular John Doherty, who's been extremely supportive of IATSE here in Philadelphia during the shutdown. It's been very helpful, along with the other labor unions. But uh, coming out, Joe, we're going to be running into what we consider to be a, 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 a labor shortage going into 22, of skilled labor, I should say. And I think that's where uh, a partnership between the government, private sector, and the unions uh, is really going to be needed to so we can really open up the industry effectively. Yeah, and and uh, John, John will jump in now. What I meant with, with, with the with the uh, build back, but where are we with the the build back better agenda? You want to take Michael? that one, John? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, they're they're being discussed, and uh, and the senator from West Virginia has a lot to say. The Democratic senator for West Virginia, uh, Manchin, uh, they're they're in the process of negotiating numbers, and it's. Uh, you know, there definitely will be some infrastructure bill we need. It. You know, the place is falling apart. Everybody knows that. You know, all you got to do is take any of the major roads across this country. And uh, there, was, there was a lack of maintenance over the last year and a half because uh, a lot of people weren't willing to work. And, again, Michael's point of a skill shortage is that this will be a great opportunity to uh, put people back into careers, just not jobs. You know, that, that these, these, when, you, when you give out a, a, a contract, say that, Redo I-95. You know, you, you get hundreds and hundreds of people and thousands who have jobs created from them contracts, and they take multiple years to do them. 
So there are great opportunities for young kids to get into unions, okay, and learn a craft from bottom up. And they get a couple of years worth of work. And after about two years, you can do, you know, on a job like that, you can almost get a job anywhere. And the one thing you do is, you know, it, it changes the work ethic of this country, too. It puts an awful lot of people back. And it, by putting them back to work, you know, a, a good job and a couple, uh, a little consistency plus a union, all of a sudden, before you know it, you wake up, you'll be in the middle class. And, and it's interesting and because I'll, yeah, go, oh, go ahead, Mike. And Joe, I'll say, you know, President Biden has, you know, since he's been in office, has has made some decisions that's definitely been pro-labor, right? Some of his choices and, and some of the areas that he's there. In his Build Back Better program, he has the foresight to make sure it's in the legislation now. Hopefully it's in the, the final uh, 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 piece of it, is that they're going to invest uh, a lot of money into registered apprentice programs. Right. That's right. That's right down the center of, of, of the building trades and where we live and, and what we provide that other people can't. So he's going to make that investment because uh, he knows that's a good investment because we have the best training programs uh, to get this country back to work quicker than anybody else. Safer. And, and, and John, talk about our apprentice programs because they're like a college education. Uh, and, and, and They we invest, are a college education. And, and we invest in them ourselves. We don't get government subsidies. Talk about them, John. Well, I was just going to say, people don't understand that we pay for all our own schooling. We pay for the bricks. We build them ourselves. Okay, we pay for the teachers. We pay for the educational opportunities that we give the kids. We pay for, in some cases, their salary to go to school. We pay for them while they're working and while they are at school. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity. And people say, well, how come you don't do it for everybody? Well, one, it's unaffordable. But we do do it. And when you, when you look at all the apprenticeship programs from all the, the unions, not only in the Philadelphia and the East Coast, but across the country, you know, we're right up there with the largest education, you know, body around with some of the Californias and New Yorks and the public school systems and some of their private school systems. You know, our apprenticeship programs are right up there. And the good part is there's no debt for any of our kids when they get out. And over a period of time, we I know, and I can speak from Local 98, they're now college accredited. So that means that not only do you go to work, you pick up a, a trade, you learn the technical aspect, and I would put, okay, at least two of the years at Local 98, from the virtual education, the manual education to you know, the on-the-job training up against any facility in America. And the only people I believe, and I'm not talking community colleges, and they can't even compete, okay? The only people who I believe compete are the other unions. And when you get a chance, especially in this region, you know, the, 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 the talented teachers that are in programs, we have two kids now that are local 98 members who are our, our last two teachers. Both of them are certified teachers. Both of them could teach. In fact, one was teaching in the Camden School District, and they were electricians by trade. Okay? And uh, we have a new kid, Quentin, who he is the first African-American teacher in Local 98 history. Okay? And uh, he went to Morehouse. He, he came back. He works with the tools. He, was, they, he didn't want to come into the building because he was doing so well, and his contractor didn't want to lose him because he was so sharp. Well, now we have him. And another kid, Luke Biley, who's fourth generation, was teaching in Camden. I mean, who, who worked as an electrician. And I mean, our guys just this morning, on top of the accident, I spent an awful lot of time because the national code boards 
have a couple openings. And one of the openings is because of the retirement of a local 98 member who was instrumental in not only voting, but writing the codes that make this country safe. You know, and he's also a teacher. And in fact, everybody's teachers in our system, you know, that work in that process. So, I mean, it's a very complicated, it competes with any college at any point. And I would put up the success we've had in the last 10 years against anybody, any college. Now, of course, you know, you come out of some of the bigger schools, the Harvard, Stanford, and you do pretty well. But I'm going to tell you, you come out of a local 420s apprenticeship program, a local 19s apprenticeship program, where if you take a look at the new building up on North Street from the Labors and what they're going to be doing with pre-apprenticeship programs, it competes with anybody else. John Docherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Mike Barnes, our ATSI National VP, Vice President with us. Mike, uh, 60 seconds before we say goodbye, but I did want to ask you about the success of the Made in America Festival. Uh, Once again, uh, your team, your crew uh, delivered for the city. Uh, How did you measure the success of Made in America? Well, it's built on a great foundation. That's the partnership uh, that we have with Jeff Gordon and Live Nation. Jeff's investing all over the city. Uh, Live Nation not only did the Made in America, but they took the uh, Man Music Center and the management of Man Music Center open. We've had six of seven nights of shows in there on a regular basis. It's nonstop action. Uh, they're investing in the Met right up on North Broad Street. That place is uh, on fire. But uh, the foundation that we have, the training we have, the crew that we retained during the COVID shutdown was ready to go back to work. And, uh, you know, it's like riding a bike. You never forget. And uh, they just jumped right in and uh, the show got done and and the the audiences appreciate it. And Broadway opened up this week and uh, things are looking better for the entertainment industry. And I appreciate everybody's support out there. Uh, great stuff from Mike Barnes uh, joining us. Uh, Jay Doc, as we go to the break, I hope everybody does certainly realize, I know you do, John Doherty does, um, Mike Barnes and his team are amazing. I mean, the biggest events in the world, you know, are it, produced it was, right. by IHATSE. Right. It, it was so awesome driving statement. down the parkway and seeing that set up and how they were back. It was just incredible. Absolutely. Uh, we'll take a short break. On the other side of the break, Lori Jones, CEO of Phil Abundance will join us. September is National Hunger Awareness Month. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here on the John Doherty Hour as we come to you live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Again, leading you right in the Penn State football, Penn State Auburn football on a Saturday night uh, right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Special thanks to Mike Barnes. Uh, Johnny Doc will bring Lori Jones, CEO of Phil Abundance, uh, into the conversation. Uh, so nice to have uh, Lori Jones uh, join the show, uh, John, and... Um, nice because uh, one of the many untold stories uh, about the uh, about John Doherty uh, is the power uh, and your unconditional commitment uh, to helping others. Uh, Lori Jones is the CEO of Phil Abundance, and I welcome her into your show, John Doherty. Yeah, Lori has uh, an unbelievable background. 
you know, I, I got an opportunity to, to, to get to know Lori and respect her work product back during the street administration where, you know, she had significant roles all the way up to managing director. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I thought it was a great hire when she decided, you know, to go over to full abundance because, I mean, it is, you know, you talk about God's work and, and she's probably going to be able to explain to us better than I can. You know, the Philadelphia is still a, you know, a very hungry city and, uh, you know, just not for jobs and just not, but literally hungry for food. And uh, she's done a fabulous job at getting the message out and trying to get people and uh, it's a different environment. And I'm looking forward to having her explain to us what she's doing differently in today's world, in a COVID world, in a world that's, you know, people just don't donate as much as they used to. People are scared, to, you know, to be in certain areas. So I know her hands have been tied for last year. Her, her, her job was tough enough without the, the pandemic. So, you know, I just want to welcome her own and I really thank her for taking some time out of her Saturday night. So, Lori, welcome. Tell us what's hot out there. Tell us how hungry we really are in Philly, please. Well, hello. Thank you so much, Johnny, for this opportunity. Thank you to your listeners. Um, you know, as was said in the introduction, having the opportunity um, to be on with somebody who's so charitable and cares so much about the community is indeed an honor for me. Um, as you noted, I am um, the Chief Executive Officer and CEO of Full Abundance. We are a hunger relief agency in this area, serving both southeastern Pennsylvania and southern New Jersey. And the reality is, over the last two years, it's been particularly tough for the folks in our region. We saw hunger go up by 60%, 60%. And unfortunately, 40% of those people that showed up in line showed up for the first time. So we know that folks who were always working, always working hard for their families, always hustling, because of COVID and the economic crisis, found themselves for the first time having to make those impossible choices between either paying their rent or buying food, between paying me buying medicine or preparing a healthy meal for their kids. Um, so we spent the last year with a lot of support trying to increase the amount of food that we're providing to people in this region. Uh, Lori, uh, talk about, you know, since COVID came in, you're dealing with individuals that normally have not been in that line, in that food line. Um, what's it been like the last year? Um, an incredible amount of need, an incredible, a huge amount of need. And that's right. I think, think about it. Every one of us knows somebody who for the first time found themselves in a really tough economic situation. You know someone who was a restaurant owner who had to close that restaurant. You know someone who's a restaurant worker who lost their job early on. And those are the folks that for the first time had to come and access this particular type of help. And they had to access it, and our team and the partners we work with across the region had to try to provide it in a safe way. So everything we've all been dealing with around masks and protective equipment and hand sanitizer and social distancing, we had to do our work with those kinds of challenges. And I have to tell you, my team and the 350 partners we work with across the region did a heroic job. And every day across the city and region, you saw people lining up, but they were lining up and getting access to healthy food because our team was there. And, and talk about how you're, you maintained uh, the funds, you know, the revenues to, you know, to, to provide those resources to individuals in such a difficult environment when contributors, obviously, like you talked about, a lot of our individuals didn't see, obviously got hit from the side and weren't able to contribute. How did you maintain the ability to, to, um, to, to, to feed as many people as you have? Yeah, it, it definitely was tough. So let me tell you some of the reasons it was tough. So think about it. Think back to March of last year. 
And chances are, if you were looking for food and you had enough money, but you went to the grocery store, you went online, it was harder for you to find basic staples. Remember how it was harder to find rice and flour? And when you finally found it, it was more expensive. There were global food supply chain challenges that had an impact on all of us that were doing okay. And think about that for food banks. People weren't donating food. It was harder to find food. It was more expensive. So we had to spend more money and not rely on donated free food in order to feed folks. We had budgeted, give you the numbers, we had budgeted last year to spend $120,000 a month to buy food for people. We ended up spending $500,000 a month, half a million dollars a month. Our food budget quadrupled. The other thing I'll tell you to shock you with numbers to tell you about how much the need was and how much we had to do. The year prior, we distributed across southeastern Pennsylvania and southern New Jersey 28 million pounds of food. That's mind-boggling enough. Under COVID, that jumped to 56 million pounds of food. Nearly doubled what we distributed. Because of the need, we ended up spending more money. Um, and to your point, um, we really did rely on the generosity of donors. We're fortunate that people, we had kids who emptied their piggy banks and sent notes. We had people that signed over their stimulus checks. So it's true that the economic crisis hit people really hard, but there also were people who were so incredibly generous who dug deep into their pockets to make sure we could support their neighbors. Lori Jones is our special guest here, the CEO of Phil Abundance on the uh, John Doherty Hour uh, here live on a Saturday night. Uh, Lori, do you think that people who are not hungry on a daily basis, who don't have or face that challenge... Do you think they would do more if they really understood what it was like to go without a meal? Yes, you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, a need for compassion and empathy. And um, I think that that's exactly right. I think if people really could put themselves in someone else's shoes, they would dig deeper and do more. The reality is we have seen that generosity from people. Um, and I think that this past year, as tough as it is, opened up people's eyes, opened up their hearts. And so we have seen this outpouring of support. But this month, and I think why Johnny um, invited us on this month, this month is, uh, is a hunger action month. Across this country, all of us that are part of Feeding America are taking this opportunity to remind people that our neighbors are hungry and to inspire action. So we're hoping that as they hear more and more about the reality that in our state of Pennsylvania, one in nine people are hungry. One in seven children are hungry. And in the city of Philadelphia, that jumps to one in five. As people hear that, we hope they'll visit our website, philabundance.org. We hope they will join us in advocating for supports for people. We hope they'll come and volunteer with us. They can volunteer with us safely. And of course, since I'm a nonprofit executive director, we hope they will donate to us. John, well, this, well this, said, well stated. J-Doc, let me get to John because we're going to sure, run out yeah. of time. John, last word, on this, uh, last word, sir. Lori, thank you for everything you do and everything you've had done over the years. But here, I just want to let you know, anything and everything that I'm associated with throughout this month, I will remind the world, okay, that this is National Hunger Awareness Month. Also, from a volunteer perspective, I want you to take a look at this month, and at any time this month or any time, you can use any of our families, if you can use our apprentice programs, anything that we can help you with, please let us know. You know, I know my own personal family in Local 98, 
we have a nice relationship with the Ronald McDonald House, and many a time we went up and cooked, you know, and supplied the food for the actual dinners and fed the people and bought games and things like that. That's minor. You know, I know you're talking with a much larger circle, but the Philadelphia Building Trades are 50,000 people strong, minimum. So use us. Let us help you. You do a great job. And the one little pet peeve I have, and I, you know, because of having, you know, Celian hospitals for so many years, I got to spend a lot of time uh, with doctors and hospital executives. And I've had this conversation with Steve Glasgow and Celia's brain surgeon, Dr. Ralph Rosenwasser. There's so much food that gets wasted in this town. And for legal reasons, we're not allowed to collect it and use it. But they told me there's trash cans that leave the hospital cafeterias unused every day the colleges and places like that. How the heck can we can come up with something that we can capture the food that's, you know, I, I know in some cases already cooked, but how can we take it and run it? And again, I'll commit, you know, the resources of my good friends at the Philadelphia Building Trades and the Teamsters and whoever. You know, I've had these conversations with the Teamsters and the truck drivers about how can we take this food that is laying in a trash can that somebody could have on their plate because it's good stuff. I'm so glad you brought that up. Two things. Absolutely, we could always use volunteers. Visit our website, but I'll follow up with you directly about that. We, Bill Abundance started as a food rescue organization. We started because people were concerned that you, people were throwing away good food. Part of what we do directly and through partners is rescue food. So we rescue it from cafes like Starbucks, from grocery stores, from catering operations, from restaurants when they're operating. So we either directly or through partners like Food Connect can come and pick up that food so it's not wasted and it gets in the hands of people that need it. So visit our website to learn more about that, too. Lori well, listen, I'm going to call, I'm going to call Rob Rosenwasser. He's like uh, this highly recognized, you know, brain surgeon, and he had has been a personal feed to him. And I'm going to talk to Steve Glasgow this week to find out how we can have that done because, you know, I spent a lot of time in their facilities, and I'm going to tell you that everybody's concerned about that. And I didn't realize that, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I thought I know a lot of what you do, but I didn't realize that you had a, you know, you spent a ton of time picking that up. And again, wherever Absolutely. we can help you, wherever put us in, if there's days, you know, you want to give us a Wednesday a week where we do your work for you or something, just let me know. And I promise you, anything and everything I have will identify this month. Okay, it's National Hunger Awareness Month. Every text I send out, every email, and I'll remind everybody about Phil Abundance. And I send a lot of texts out each day. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the support. Lori Jones, CEO of Phil Abundance, joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. We'll get to a commercial break. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Ironworkers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a local 98 contractor. John Doherty Hour as we roll to the top of the hour, a little short on time uh, in our final segment, leading you right into Penn State football. Penn State football, Penn State getting ready uh, to play Auburn, kick off against Auburn, big whiteout at Happy Valley, John Doherty. Uh, so our, sh- our last segment is a short segment. Um, we do have one guest that we're going to get in, Daryl Schultz is going to be with us. Daryl, do I have that pronounced correctly? Yes, sir, you have it pronounced correctly. All right, good stuff. We thank you for calling in, founder of the Philadelphia Smart Safe Cities Initiative. 
Um, Daryl, welcome to the John Doherty Hour, um, and we appreciate you jumping on uh, here in our final segment of the show. Thank you for having me. So, Daryl, if you would, tell us what Philadelphia Smart Safe Cities program is all about. The Smart City Safe program is basically because of the census gun violence that's going on in the city of Philadelphia. I got together with my colleagues and other business associates, and we came up with this program that uses smart sensors technology, which is, in short, it stands for eye in the sky. Uh, the system basically takes cameras that's already existing throughout the city of Philadelphia, turns those devices into what they call smart devices, and they capture uh, any any type of video feed, crime feed that happens. They take that feed and it house in one central location, which is called a command station. And at that command station, once it receives the feed, it shares that data with the proper authorities and agencies. I know Sharif Street, we're efforting to bring Sharif into the conversation for just a quick uh, comment from him. John, let me transition back to you, and then if Sharif joins us, I'll get back to him. But again, tight on time. Uh, But John Doherty, I know you've been battling this uh, uh, initiative uh, as well from your position. Well, it's funny. Donald Schultz is an emerging contractor who just happens to be of color. And we all know that he's fighting you know, a battle to try to make his company, which has done a really good job at, at, at being a union-diversified company, a union-minority company, but also a very effective union company. And he, on the side, you know, he has been championing this. And I hear about the campaign, you know, for smart cities more than, and I tell him the same thing all the time. I said, look, we just got to move this forward as we get it closer to the goal line. We can, uh, you know, we'll help with the money, we'll help with the the recognition, things like that, but we can't wait anymore. Anybody who has a good idea, anybody that has put the effort in to taking guns off the street based in the world we live right now, I decided that we should have him on tonight, and I know personally I'm going to continue to try to promote his program because we need to try new things in, the, in that world to try to take guns off the street. We do have that- Senator... We do have Senator Street who jumped on the phone. Uh, let me bring Senator Sharif Street into the conversation, uh, and we'll get a quick comment from him. Uh, come back to you, uh, um, uh, Daryl, and then John. I'll have you wrap it up. Look, I just want to say, echo a lot of what uh, what uh, Mr. Darkey said. Doc made a great point. Look, we, with all the things that are going on around gun violence, everyone who has a good idea, we have to move forward with. And certainly. Um, using technology, creating jobs while we do it, good union jobs. It's something I'm supporting, something I think we need to as a government be, be, uh, be uh, really aggressive about moving forward with because people are dying. As folks know, I lost a relative earlier this year to gun violence, and certainly we, no family should have to go through that. Absolutely. It is an epidemic of mega proportions. Uh, Daryl, um, what do you have to say about that? Well, Senator Street has always been a strong supporter for us and also gun violence, along with the building trades and obviously John Dot. Um, those guys are the only and sole reason why we are where we at today with the program. To date, we have private funding up to 500000 invested in the program. And next week, we're looking to launch the program and get our four zones up and operating so we can help deter some of this gun violence. So I appreciate Doc and you guys for having us, and I thank everyone 
And we also have a fundraiser on GoFundMe. Anyone that want to come in and donate and help with this effort and program, we appreciate it. But I'm going to continue to push my efforts personally and help and do what I can do to help decrease the gun violence in Philadelphia. Johnny Doc, last word, my friend, to you. Oh, that was, I don't want to get him off the show without letting him know he's got a very good business. He's, uh, you know, right now he, he'll probably wind up being one of the contractors down on the Hilco project, probably, you know, with the initiative to try to increase diversity. Down at the Navy Yard, he's got a very competent group of uh, mechanics that work for him. And it's obvious that, you know, on his side, he, he, he's very socially conscious. So I know it was good having him on the show. Speaking of social conscience, nobody is, is better equipped to handle what's in front of her than Lori Jones. Michael Barnes has done a fabulous job. Zach and the guys up in, you know, 98 North have done a fabulous job. Uh, it's been a great show. We're leading up to watching Penn State kick Auburn all over the, the field. Uh, Notre Dame won today, and Alabama's only up two over Florida with two minutes to play. Hey, Philly's, big, uh, Philly's biggest fan, John Docker. Do you know I'm not letting you get out of here tonight uh, without uh, uh, one quick look ahead to tomorrow uh, when there will be a sold-out crowd uh, back at the link uh, for the Eagles 49ers tomorrow? How about, how about I give you an early one? I think it's <laughs> a little bit more high-scoring than people think. I think we win by about 10 points. You heard it here. I think this could be a 31-21, 27-17 game tomorrow. I think the Birds win. I think Jalen Hurts has a big game. I think the Phillies sweep the Mets, and I think we're right back in the thick of it there. You know how wild it would be in Philadelphia having the Eagles and the Phillies, you know, waking up every morning wondering who, what one's in first place in the East and the other has a shot, you know, to, to get into the National League playoffs. I love it. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Doc. I'll be ringing. I'll be sending you the link to see if you want to jump on after a big win uh, down in South Philadelphia tomorrow. Great stuff. Great show, J-Doc, tonight on the John Doherty Hour. We covered a lot of ground in a little bit of time. I sometimes feel That's as right. though we need more time to expand, but I'm so glad um, that we we're able to at least provide uh, through Lori Jones a real snap shot i'm telling you j-doc it's one thing to be hungry it's another to know what it feels like absolutely em emmer emmer becoming incredibly socially conscious on the program we're you know we're, we're conscious about gun violence shout out the sharif senator sharif street um this show is making a difference john doherty is making a difference and always has always has always does and always will that's going to do it for the john doherty hour here on uh, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of all of our guests that join the show, on behalf of Frank Keel, and on behalf of our gracious host, John Doherty, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.